This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. This week, to talk about both the close of the war in Afghanistan and the crisis of Afghani interpreters being left behind, we are joined by Indivisible member and Afghanistan combat veteran Chris Franco. He is also running for King County Council and just received a key endorsement from the Seattle Independent paper, The Stranger. We talk about the final days of the primary election and about his vision for King County. That is next. So as America's longest war draws to a close, a number of Afghani interpreters who work side by side with American forces are being left behind, meaning potentially grave consequences for them and their families. Chris Franco is an Afghanistan combat veteran, and he has been working to get visas for some of these interpreters, and he is with us now to talk about that. Chris is also a candidate for King County Council in District 9, and he, of course, is a dear friend. How are you, man? Doing good, brother. I appreciate you having me on the pod and appreciate you covering the uh, the story about our Afghan uh, brothers, particularly at you know, this monumental time uh, for a lot of the folks in Afghanistan. Well, yeah. So tell us more about this. I mean, why are these interpreters being left behind? Yeah, I, gosh, I wish I had uh, a better answer because some of the things that are going on uh, just don't make a lot of sense. I mean, um, we've been at war in Afghanistan for almost 20 years and you know, these interpreters have been fighting by our side and have been instrumental in our mission throughout the, the two decades that we've been out in Afghanistan. And just on a personal level, uh, while I was deployed to Afghanistan, I was the uh, um, the executive officer for our company, so second in command of that company, and worked very closely with our interpreters throughout our deployment. And, I mean, these, these folks willingly partnered with us and put themselves at great danger and their families at danger to serve by our side and help us and keep us safe and be able to work with, you know, the local population and our partners in the army and, uh, and the police forces uh, there in Afghanistan. And I mean, often they were targeted. Uh, they were targeted by the Taliban uh, while we were deployed. And in fact, uh, the first person killed in our company was one of our Afghan brothers. And uh, right now, you know, with our, with our withdrawal, we have a number of our interpreters that have served uh, our nation, our, our service members uh, faithfully that are still stuck and they are facing some very serious consequences. And it's it's up to us to make good on our promises and honor their service and um, and get them the heck out of there, get them to safety, get their families to safety. Um, that's that's the mission before us right now. Well, how many interpreters are we talking about who are who are still there? Yeah, I mean, we're talking. um <laughs> thousands at this point and wow. a number of them um, I'm denied for um, a multitude of reasons. I mean, two of the folks that I served with, uh, Furkan and uh, Siddiqui, are uh, are still out there. And uh, Furkan's got two young uh, daughters and a wife, and uh, Siddiqui's got a, a wife, and they're hoping to have a family here soon. And uh, they are, they're scared. Uh, some of the barriers to getting out of here include um, needing two consecutive years of service with U.S. Armed Forces. Uh, Furkan had uh, six, and despite that, those six months were among the most intense uh, during our deployment, and I mean, he helped carry some of our wounded. He helped us in a number of ways, and then uh, Siddiqui, three years, <laughs> three years of dedicated service in a combat zone, putting himself and his family at risk, and he has been denied because of a polygraph test. Uh, and there are a number of folks that have been um, denied because of a polygraph test, and they they would go through uh, periodic uh, polygraph tests throughout their service just to you know check in. And he passed all of them with the exception of one at the end. And I mean, it's a nerve-wracking experience. We didn't even use that in our you know 
back here at home, but it apparently is enough to disqualify three years of service in a combat zone alongside U.S. forces. And it just it just wrong. Wow. Are you in touch with either of these interpreters? Have, are, are you talking to them? What, what are they saying? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've been talking back and forth uh, for quite some time now, but really ramping up now that we're withdrawing because, uh, understandably, they're extremely concerned about their safety and that of their family. And um, in fact, was able to get uh, both of them to interview with Newsy uh, this week. Gosh, yeah, on uh, on Monday to just tell their stories and and really paint the picture about how dire this situation is and the the human element. I mean, these are people. I mean, these are our our, our brothers. I mean, they they led right beside us and um, they're scared and they want us to live up to our, uh, our promise. And we need to, I mean, this, this would be such a stain on our, our nation's um, honor or, you know, what's left it, uh, of it in this situation. And no one's going to want to partner with us if we, if we don't make it on this promise and, uh, and get them to safety. And um, I will be staying in contact with them throughout this entire process and just keep tabs on them because this is this is a this is a big deal what other sorts of things are being because you mentioned the, the news story which certainly uh shines some light on it what are some other things that you and others have been doing behind the scenes to kind of help the situation yeah i mean fortunately there are a lot of wonderful folks uh fortunate to be part of the Truman national security project there's some folks in there that are doing a lot of work right now to really put pressure on our federal government to step up um, human rights first. And there's, uh, I mean, Chris Purdy, somebody has been, been working with fortunately in another effort here at home, who's been, uh, working with Truman and part of human rights first fellow veteran. Um, and he's, he's really been helping lead the charge in a number of efforts behind the scenes to, uh, to get this ball rolling. In fact, he's who got me in, uh, in contact with, uh, with Newsy and uh, to, to really elevate the stories of the interpreters that, uh, serve alongside. So very grateful for a lot of true patriots out there that are, um, that are fighting to do something and, and push our government to act right now. Uh, but it's, it's tough because, um, you know, we, we can, we can get loud and we can put pressure, but we really do need the American people to, to stand with us right now and contact their members of Congress and put pressure on this, uh, this current administration in the white house to, uh, to really make good on this promise and expeditiously get these folks and their families out of there. I will have that information in the show notes on how to contact your member of Congress over this. Um, yeah, you know, we've talked about this on a past show um, when the withdrawal was announced. But as it's happening now, uh, as somebody who served there in combat, I wonder what your thoughts are now that it's becoming real. The the final troops are being pulled out of Afghanistan, as you say, after almost 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, it's it is just uh, a roller coaster of emotions and thoughts. Um in 20 years, I mean, the thousands of lives that have been lost in this conflict, the trillions of dollars that have been pumped into this war, um, and it just feels incomplete, especially with this element of, you know, leaving our, our partners behind. Um, it's, I mean, I'm glad that we're ending you know, our nation's longest war and, you know, the, the forever wars that uh, it involved with, but it's bittersweet. Um, it it hurts while it's also exciting to see us get out of there uh but there's there's definitely something you know just wrestling with and the you know the sacrifices that were made and the lives 
cut short in this war and the folks that, you know, I, I've known and, you know, their families and just what this means to so many folks. It's, it's complex. It's, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how we pull this off and, and what comes next as a nation. And, and hopefully we learn from this war and the experiences around it and need for greater accountability of our wars moving forward, um, whether it's, you know, leaning into the AUMFs or, or just making folks aware of what's been, what's been going on uh, and where we're spending our taxpayer money and where our, you know, where our service members are, making sacrifices and being asked to serve. And um, I just hope we, we learn from this and um, are better for it moving forward. You and me both, man. Um, I, yeah. And, and I think I speak on behalf of, of everybody uh, watching. Thank you so much for your service there. And this is, I'm sure, an enormously complex time. Um, before I let you go, as I said at the yeah. top, you are running for King County Council. And I should mention that you just got the endorsement of the Seattle Independent Weekly, The Stranger, which yeah. is a, uh, it's a big effing deal. Uh, talk about what this means to your campaign. Yeah, this is this is huge. And it, it is uh, definitely some of the more exciting news that has, has come out as of late. I mean, it, it showcases our our campaign's uh, broad base of support from you know progressives to moderates, uh, independents, even some of the folks we're getting at the doors right now, uh, longtime Republicans that are walking away from uh, where the, the GOP is at right now. Good. Fight for change. I know. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's building on the momentum that we've gained over the last uh, handful of months and, and really coming at a critical time. Uh, I mean, ballots are literally arriving today and uh, we have you know less than three weeks until the, the primary. So really putting that wind in the cells here in the, the home stretch and um, the stranger doesn't pull any punches. They are a noble <laughs> uh, paper. And uh, I mean, what they what they said uh was was wonderful and super appreciated and that that endorsement uh means a lot and definitely has our, our team pumped up for uh this this home stretch here in the primary well you're no guy yourself in fact they uh, commended you for being willing to say it as many times as you did during yeah. your endorsement <laughs> meeting um you, know, you, you mentioned that you've been out canvassing like crazy and we know that you've been doing that with your incredible wife jamie um and, and i just uh I, i'm curious to know as you get closer to the primary what are what are some of the things that you're hearing from people what are people concerned about right now yeah, yeah, it has been wonderful being able to canvas with my significantly better half, uh, Jamie. And the the things that folks are saying at the doors are are and they've been pretty consistent. Um, a lot of folks are, I think, just universally concerned about uh, affordability, uh, whether that's housing, um, just the cost of living, childcare, healthcare, uh, you name it. Folks are are really hurting right now and wanting to see uh, some change. Homelessness has been a big one. Um, I mean, District 9 doesn't include Seattle, but a lot of folks are, are um, concerned about what's, you know, homelessness in, in Seattle. And it's it's interesting to see the different spectrum of where folks are at on that. But the, the common thread there is just wanting to see action and not just throwing money at the problem, but not getting to the root of it. Um, the pandemic is still on folks' mind, maybe a little bit now that things have been opening up uh, a bit, maybe not as much as before, uh, but very much concerned about recovering from, um, you know, the economic impacts of the pandemic and then public safety. Um, public safety has been a big one. I know that, um, 
their varying views and and how to approach public safety, but the desire to keep folks safe and really address the rise in violence and hate, uh, particularly um, targeting our, our BIPOC community and, and really um, ensuring that our community members can be safe here at yeah. home. And um, and I think aside from that, um, just really feeling like things aren't getting better, um, particularly in District Nine, and just wanting to see progress, see improvements, see action and results on the issues that we were facing and have been facing. I think one of the things that's been sticking around is, you know, we declared homelessness a state of emergency six years ago almost, and it's only gotten worse. So wanting to see some action from our, our government and, you know, whoever's going to be in that seat. When you hear, when people say to you, to your face, hey, this place where we live, this community where we're at, things aren't getting better. How do you respond? Yeah, I mean, I kind of attribute it to the fact that it's time for change. Um, we've had this in, you know, incumbent here for 16 years and he was appointed into his position initially. And it's honestly, it's, it's time for us to take a hard look at, our, at ourselves, at our system and ditch the career politicians that are consistently putting their own political aspirations above the needs of the people that they're there to represent and uh and serve and we have an opportunity i think right now for us to really elect public servants like people that are going to pour their their hearts and souls into serving our community and fighting for better every single day and that we really shouldn't be expecting different results if we're going to continue to lean into the same people and the same policies. I mean, that's almost the definition of insanity. So it's that's what they say. Yeah. Time for change. <laughs> <laughs> so fewer career politicians and more public servants. You know, um, one of the things that struck me about your campaign from the very beginning, uh, as as you articulated it to me in the early days, is you have a very, very clear vision of what King County can and should be. And, you know, you just talked about some of the things that people are saying is holding the county back what needs to happen to move it forward? Yeah, I mean, this is the moment. Um, this is the chance for us as Martin Luther King County to lead by example and to fight for the change that I think a lot of us want to see and have been wanting to see for quite some time. I, I think we need to acknowledge that, you know, like I'm saying a lot of folks are hurting right now and we are not going to fulfill our potential as a, as a community as a county or a country, if we don't have a system that makes it easier for us to meet our most basic needs so that we can fill our full potential. You take a look at the, the scene right now, at the, particularly at the national level, um, there's a lot of divisiveness. And this is an opportunity for us here at home to really show what's possible when we fight for each other instead of against each other um, and live into the founding ideals of our nation. And I, I, you know, I, I'm a bit skeptical about that happening at the federal uh, level right now with the obstructionism and, and just fear mongering and honestly the rise of um, a lot of fascist ideal uh, ideals and tendencies and it's it's time for us to take a stand I, I really I want to see us just be done with the greed that is destroying humanity and this planet and just acknowledge that we don't have to have our political system be synonymous with greed and corruption and incrementalism, it's time for us to make our politics synonymous with selfless service, integrity, 
progress in, I want to see Martin Luther King County lead the way in creating a government that is truly by, of, and for the people. And we can build a more perfect union. And I want to see us do that here at home. Um, I think what we do next is very well going to inspire others to be the change that we so desperately want to see and need to see in this world. And this is this is our moment to fight for better. This is our moment to say enough, to take a stand and to elect public servants and people that are truly going to center others and fight, fight for better um, and get to a point where we live into our values, that we inspire others through our example and Hopefully, in doing so, we will inspire other jurisdictions here in Washington State and throughout the country to fight for better and to see that we can do better and that we we don't have to settle for mediocrity. Uh, and that's the fight ahead of us. That's the fight I want to be a part of. Um, and I swore an oath to support and defend our Constitution and the you know the highest ideals therein. And it's time to live into them. And we're going to do that. It's time to to fight through this uh, this primary, move on, get to the general election, uh, and then get into the King County Council and work with our community, other elected leaders, and um, get it done. To quote our favorite musical, history has its eyes on us. <laughs> so, yeah, we can make this thing happen. Uh, Chris Franco, as always, thank you for being here, and uh, best of luck with the campaign, man. I appreciate you, brother. We're going to do this and uh, we're going to make the most of these next uh, two and a half weeks before the primary and then take the fight to Reagan Dunn and we're going to fight for better. And that'll do it for this week. Thank you again to Chris Franco. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com and the website is indivisiblepodcast.org. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks to Lori Colwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.